Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Why glory in tribulation? This was something that I thought uh, is needed with all the things that are going on. And I was wondering during these difficult times uh, as believers and, and especially for non-believers, uh, how, how do they just keep going forward? What could they turn to for strength? <clears throat> so I think that's what this message is geared uh, toward, glorying in tribulation. And uh, hopefully we answer, I provide you with some substance to back up that very bold, very bold claim. I looked at the numbers this morning. We have quite a few things going on in our, in our world. This would be Exhibit A. Um, with our COVID-19, there's a huge uh, global impact um, we have about 14 million people that are impacted, uh, confirmed cases, 602,000 deaths, and impacting 188 uh, countries. And this is from Johns Hopkins, uh, their research. However, <clears throat> we are taking some measures. There, there are some remedies in place. Uh, there's uh, increased testing. There's uh, vaccines that are being developed. There's social distancing, which you're practicing. Uh, there's hygiene, which we're practicing. And there's also, I don't want to mess up my face mask, but there's also uh, each, each person I suspect has their own one or more masks. So there's a number of steps that we're taking. But mind you, those are man-made uh, remedies. So just kind of keep that in mind. And we're looking at the numbers and you judge for yourself if it's working. In addition to the COVID, at the same time, there's also an economic impact. Some in here have been uh, affected directly, some indirectly. And although the numbers are starting to improve with our economy. Um, there's still roughly about 12 million uh, jobs that are still, if not more, but at least 12 million jobs that are, um, as far as uh, folks that are uh, don't have employment. And that's since February. That's since February. But the numbers have, have been improving. Um, and we, once again, we do have some man-made remedies. We have uh, our phasing of business openings that's helping some folks are going back to work and also new jobs because of this uh, challenge it's also creating some new tech uh, mobile virtual jobs as well so that's what's going on with the remedies you judge for yourself if that's working again man made remedies at the same time we also have global civil unrest, and rightfully so, with all the stuff that's going on, in addition to uh, underlying problems. And there's po protests everywhere. We see that. And we do see that some of the laws are changing. There's some changes coming about. So some things are positive. Some things are negative. Some of the negative things, uh, we have uh, theft. We have crime. We have uh, incarceration. So those remedies are bringing about more problems. So you judge for yourself if that's working. 
And again, a man made remedy. Now, all of these things are going on simultaneously at the same time, in addition to whatever else is going on. So during this time, and as far as that civil unrest, uh, there is an enemy. There is an enemy. There is opposition. I'd like to identify who the true enemy is. I think in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Ephesians 6 and 12. I see there, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Let's not forget who the enemy is. Let's not forget who we are. We are believers. So <clears throat> with all the things that are going on, I was trying to see, is this the first time that humanity has faced uh, simultaneous crisis at the same time? So that kind of led me to Israel. I'm thinking uh, Israel is a group that kind of went through several things going on at the same time. And uh, that's kind of why I picked the uh, reading, because I wanted you to know how the story ended. I wanted to go to the back of the book to see, is this group worth studying? Were they successful? Did they weather the storm? Did they get through their crisis alone or with help? So this is these are the uh, passages that Corbin read, some things I'd like to bring to your attention. I won't uh, reread those, but it said that they left in haste, in haste. And I was just trying to get my hands around that. Um, so they didn't leave in waves. We didn't have like the first group go out. And then a couple years later, we'll let the next group go out in a few months. So they, they left in haste. It said that they had their dough. So they had food. So they didn't leave empty handed. They also had a spiritual leader. They had Moses, and they were obedient at that time. There was times when they were obedient, times when they weren't. It said God gave them favor, so they were on good terms. They didn't leave on bad terms. A lot of times when uh, partnerships or different affiliations end, it's on bad terms. That's why it ended, but they didn't leave on bad terms. Again, they didn't leave empty-handed because they had silver, gold, and clothing. And I'd like to thank maybe some fine clothing, if you will. So my point is, not only did God answer their prayer and deliver them through all of these crises, they weren't empty handed. He probably blessed them with as much as they could carry. So then now that we know that it turned out OK, maybe you would ask, well, maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that bad. Exodus chapter 1, beginning at verse 8, kind of gives us a context. Maybe this is how unions were formed from here. The work conditions. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. Now, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people 
of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Least they multiply and it happen. And in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us. And so go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pitom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. If I could just stop for a moment, I don't know rigor, if that's a part of your regular vocabulary, it's not with, with mine. Um, so I had to look there. So it was like hard labor, if you will. Um, and it goes on to explain that a little bit, a little bit more in verse 14. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. So I was just trying to get my hands around that. I think I remember Dustin uh, giving us some insight on jobs. He, he, I remember him saying, if you work outside, and it's just general, uh, in general, if you work outside, it's probably a blue collar job. Work inside, more likely a white collar job. And if you do both, maybe gray collar. So here, this, this passage applies to all those columns because it's all those jobs. So even the ones inside, outside, all jobs. So to me, it seems like the Egyptians went out of their way to make things more difficult for Israel. So hopefully that describes the context, the working conditions. Now, in an in addition to that, there were a number of plagues, right? Does anybody remember how many? If you thought 10, you'd be right. You'd be right, 10. <clears throat> so the first plague, do you remember what the first plague was? Turning water into blood. That's in Exodus 7. Second plague, frogs. In Exodus 8. Third plague. Gnats. Exodus 8 also. And just. Uh, and see, I see. I don't know if you have any gnats in your house. But um, there's a couple. And, 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 and all it takes is just one. Uh, to kind of get me out of my rhythm. And especially now. With a number of us working from home. With our uh, video conferences. Uh, so that one gnat could kind of disrupt things for you. But I just want you to multiply that times whatever number, because we're talking about a plague of gnats. So let's weigh that one gnat messing up your video call to a plague of can't even see. OK. Plague four is in Exodus eight flies. Same effect. Same effect. Plague, the fifth plague was Egyptian livestock dies in Exodus 9. Our sixth plague was boils. So I was trying to get a feel for that. Never had been uh, 
infested with boils, but I have had chicken pox. I don't know if you've had chicken pox, so that's it's kind of the closest uh, I can relate to that, but just all over the place. Plague seven, hail. Now, living in Oklahoma, I think I think we're kind of acquainted with with hail, if if you will. I don't know if you can make this out, but our eighth plague was locusts. And that's going to be in Exodus 10. Our ninth plague was darkness. And the tenth plague was the death of the firstborn. And that's in Exodus 12. Now, all of these plagues. Now, remember what remember what the Hebrews had going on. They had these work conditions that were not ideal. We'll say maybe less than ideal working conditions. And then we had all these plagues that we're dealing with at the same times. So I'm sure that that caused a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and we know that it caused death. We're facing those same things today with all of the crises that we're dealing with at the same time. There's pain, there's suffering, and there's death. I think there is a need for people to have hope. Now, I wonder... We're studying Israel. We say that they're worthy for us to study because God blessed them, got them through it. We want to see how did they do it. So I wonder during those times did Israel uh, or, or did the Hebrews, did they struggle? Or was it smooth sailing? Exodus chapter 6 and verse 9, there I found, so Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel. But they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Conditions were bad. They weren't listening to their spiritual leader. Now, once again, anguish is not a word that's uh, commonly in my uh, vocabulary. So I looked that up. And what we mean, great pain and word, great pain and word. Now, those are in my vocabulary. So that's how they were feeling. That was their frame of mind in Exodus 6 and verse 9. So that's how the people felt. I wonder how Moses felt. God gave you this mission. You're doing this mission. The people are not following you. They, they're discouraged. What did Moses do? Exodus chapter 6 and verse 12. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Does it sound like he was motivated? Sound like he was down and out, too. But one word in there that's really got my attention, though. During this time, he spoke before the Lord. So he conferenced and consulted the Lord during this difficult time. I don't know what else he could have done, but um, that was why. Now, <clears throat> we are believers, or the majority of us in here are believers. Now, I would like to think that the Hebrews and the uh, Israel, they are believers as well. And their faith wavers 
even though they are believers. So with that in mind, if you'll just entertain me for a moment, what if you were an unbeliever? If a believer's faith wavers at times, what if you're unbeliever? Do you even have faith? Can you imagine that anguish now if you're an unbeliever? See, I think that's where we come in. We come in. And I really love what it has to say there in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. And I think that's the heart of our message this morning. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Didn't have that for the reading because I didn't want to let the real cat out of the bag. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If I could just stop right there. That is a very heavy powerful verse. Let me let me try to paint a picture for you. <clears throat> See, we have peace with God. Now, I gave you the different things that are going on in our society right now. We have civil unrest. It seems like that's in need of peace, wouldn't you say? Um, with the health crisis, there's a lot of people that are in agony and worrying. Don't you think that they need peace. There's a lot of folks we know in 1929, I think with the crash, we know how some people are non-believers deal with the stock market and economy crash. And we know how some people, so they need peace as well. Right. So I think peace is the answer to all of those crises and many more. So continuing on in verse two. Through whom we also have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. If I could just stop there. That was a head scratcher for me right there. Glory and then tribulation. Is the translation right? I mean, that, that was just kind of going through my mind. But continue reading. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, care and character, hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Again, that's another heavy statement right there. Um, sometimes when pe we're on good terms with people and we don't want to do things for them. When we're on good terms with people, they haven't crossed us in any way. And we still don't want to do something for them. Okay, so just kind of keep that in mind and look at what this says. When we were sinners, but it's going to go on to say and, and, and kind of put that in some different terms. When we were God's enemies, when we were against God, 
He loved us so much that he died for us. And that's who we have peace with. And all of these plays and all this stuff that's happening. Who do you think is orchestrating? it? Who do you think is allowing it to take place? Who can remedy it? Same person. That's who we have peace with. Pick it up in verse nine. Romans five and nine. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Again, I think that's another reason to have joy um, that we're going to be saved from the wrath to come. I think that by itself, that by itself is worthy of <laughs> some kind of glory or, or 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 at least some feeling of peace. Just knowing that I don't have to deal with that. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I don't think I don't think anything even compares to what we have as believers being reconciled through Jesus Christ. That should bring you peace no matter what comes. I, I mean, it probably would incite the attitude of bring it on. Whatever you have, bring it on. I've been reconciled. During Israel's most difficult time, God was looking out for him in the, the, the entire time. He's, he's, grooming, he's grooming Moses the whole time, getting him ready, taking him through. I, I'd like to thank basic training. He's going through basic training. He's going through his advanced uh, training, getting him ready for the job. And then fast forwarding to us during our difficult times that we're facing now, God has given us spiritual leadership as well. And I see evidence of that in first Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. So there's a number and we have leadership right here in our church. So we're not without the same tools that they had. During their difficult times. And we have this written word. It also tells us that we are to um, be mindful of false teachers out there as well. Because there's leadership and there's leadership all over the place. <clears throat> but in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, it tells us to beware of the false prophets. And I think we've had some lessons on false prophets before. Uh, some of them know that they're deceiving the congregation and some know that some don't know it. The ones who don't know it, I see how that could easily happen. Taking scripture out of context, using it in today's uh, what are going what's going on today versus looking at the context in which it was originally meant. So without studying the scriptures, 
is easy to mislead. And some know what the scripture says and means and deliberately have some other motives in mind. We know that at times the Hebrews were discouraged at times, but they kind of wavered back and forth. There were times when they were uh, obedient. They had an attitude of obedience. And the scripture I'm going to share with you uh, kind of gives us another reason to uh, have that attitude of obedience. But I just wonder, during your difficult times, during your difficult times, do you draw closer to God or do you turn your back? You say, I already tried, I already prayed, you know, I've reached my, my quota on praying to you on this and I'm not seeing anything, so I guess you're saying I got I to gotta go ahead and take care of it myself. Sometimes that's our attitude. So I think sometimes God makes it where it's beyond any action that you take. I think coronavirus is beyond any action that we take. I think that the economy is beyond any action that we take. I think the protests that's going on around the world are beyond any action that we take. Let's see what Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 says. I'm going to try to convince you to go in a certain direction. There. Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young man shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Do you believe that? You should. You should. I was thinking that when I was young, that, that uh, mentality of being invincible, like nothing can hurt me. I can just kind of brush that off. And when you're really young, I mean, I... I look at little kids, sometimes they take some, they take some tumbles. And then you're just kind of waiting to see what's their reaction, you know, dude. <laughs> and uh, they just brush that, depending on how you react. If you react that is severe, I'm like, oh. And then they react based on you. But if you say, hey, just brush yourself off, you're a... so then I see what this, what we mean by the scripture about, about being young. Uh, there's that mentality of being invisible when you're young. But when you get to be my age, uh, and, and, and I think some uh, magic starts to take place. Let me explain. Uh, trick elbow, trick knee. And you probably wonder, like, why, why are they calling it a trick? Because you went to get up and you trusted that that knee was going to support you, but it gave out. It was, it was a trick, but you weren't, you weren't aware, you, you weren't let in on the trick. But then now you know, you know that 
That's a trick knee, trick elbow. So I kind of see in our youth how we may be uh, led to uh, take care of the situation ourselves, lean on our own understanding versus trusting God. As I get close to the, this is my last slide, I think. This is my last slide. I just want to share this with you. This was another similarity. Another reason that I, uh, I felt like I was led to talk to you this morning about Egypt is because in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 12, it says, Therefore, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That blood still applies today. But it's not the blood of the lamb. It's Jesus's blood that's going to cover us and allow us to be spared and saved. But you might be here this morning and you don't have you don't have that relationship with Jesus. You've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. So. But you're in the right place. You're in the right place if if you have. It. And then also, if you have accepted him, but the relationship is estranged. Again, you're at the right place. And then also, if you'd like the prayers of the church, you're at the right place. If you fall into one or more of those categories, will you please come forward, have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing the song of invitation. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Dot com.